This is the Alpaca Podcast for all things alpaca. If you're an owner, a soon-to-be owner, a want-to-be owner, or are just alpaca mad or love the fleece, welcome to the Alpaca Tribe. I'm Steve Hetherington. Hi, Steve here, and welcome to the Alpaca Tribe podcast. As you remember, we are going through some highlights from the last six months. Last time we reminded ourselves of how captivating alpacas can be and considered ways we can start developing our relationships with them. Jenny McHarg suggested we simply need to spend time with them, getting to know their psyche and understanding how they work. To kick off this episode, we have Rowan Flindleshale telling us about how she likes to share a cup of tea with alpacas. What was your favourite thing to be doing or favourite times? I just love spending time with them. I particularly used to enjoy sitting in the barn at the end of the day when they were feeding and they were just interacting. Or in the summer, if it was a nice warm summer's day, sitting in the field with them, I take mm. a cup of tea or out there and sit in the middle of the herd and just watch them and just be with them. They have this incredibly peaceful aura mm. and they're great stress reducers. They're always going to have, you have one who's going to make you laugh. There's always going to be something going on that you just cannot but smile at. And they, I, I always called it the alpaca smile. Excellent. The alpaca smile. Love it. So now you know what to do with your 11 o'clock cup of tea or coffee. Go find some alpacas to sit down with. There are many things to learn as an alpaca owner. And if you keep your eyes open and wits about you, the alpacas will teach you a lot. We can also learn from more formal approaches too. I asked Victoria Barrett, what are the main things a new owner needs to know? There are lots of things for new owners to learn and skills to develop and, and things to get familiar with. But are there a few things that you kind of put at the top of that list, the things that they, they really need to concentrate on first? Um, that's a difficult one because there's so many things. I mean, you've got the what do you want to do with your animals? Do you want yeah. them just to be pretty in the field or do you actually want to be hands-on and, and work with them or, or do trekking or visits or school things? Um, is breeding your priority? Uh, is fibre your priority? In which case they can just be field ornaments. They come in for husbandry tasks. For me, I think it's being able to catch and work with them to, to do all of those things that you want to do. So definitely you've got to be able to catch and hold them to do husbandry tasks, those things have to happen, injections yeah. and toenails and shearing. Yeah. So I would concentrate perhaps on developing a relationship with the animal, getting them to trust you, work on being a non-threatening person in their lives, work out how best to do that, whether to start with it's just shaking a feed bucket, getting them to come to your to the bucket, working in a pen, bringing them in and, and, and let them understand that not, not always bad things happen in a pen. A lot of people like to hand feed as a way of, of building trust. Some people don't. Reason being that it teaches them to then sort of start searching your hands for food every time you go in. There's Whereas, a hand. There must be food there. Absolutely, yeah. 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 Whereas if you just go up with a yellow bucket and then they get treats, then they know it's only when the yellow bucket comes out that that's when they're going to get treats. So I, th I think working on the relationship is is important. 
Jenny McHarg also teaches courses. Here she's talking about the birthing course they run. Get your notebook ready for some great tips, especially if you're in the middle of career watch and birthing. And the other thing on the education front that, that we find very rewarding and other people do is the birthing side. Right, because absolutely. We come, we come from a very, very practical uh, viewpoint with our packers. Um, we have been on three birthing courses ourselves, um, held by Camelid Vets, mm. and we, we're always open to hearing from other breeders or anybody else um, what works for them, what doesn't. And over the years, we've put together um, a PowerPoint presentation and um, a thick booklet on birthing. Um, and basically, what, what I say to people at the beginning of the whole morning on birthing is that um, we are uh, here to give you confidence to know um, what you're doing, when, if you need help, and a checklist. So we, we may have had however many hundred careers, uh, but we fill in a checklist for every single one. Right. Um, and, and that is, you, you know, your, your basics. Um, the vital signs, um, you know, checking for an anus and all the really important things. And also writing down on this checklist um, your observations so that um, everything is written down. So that if you do have an, an issue or, or, or something, um, you, can, you can look back on, the, on this list and you can say, uh, well, OK, yes, it was a very hot day. Um, we took the baby into the shade, you know. Um, all sorts of things are, are written down on that list to assist you in the future, because if you've got a lot of Korea, you, you can't remember. Mm. Um, and, and also when the when the Korea first suckled. And um, and then again, if things are going smoothly and have gone smoothly in the birth, um, your your instinct, your, your in, intuition takes over and, and, and you're, you're, tick, you're, you're ticking a box in your head to say, um, yes. Uh, this career is uh, fine. Uh, Mum is fine. Um, it, you know everything is is going well. Um, then uh, the next thing we do is dip the tummy button for the second time. Uh, and if it's not um, quite really quite warm, uh, we will pop a coat on overnight. Right. Um, so the birthing course, I think um, people have found it just really really useful for the confidence. And I tell people I'm, I'm not trying to frighten them with what could go wrong but they they need to know that if if you have a head and uh, a, a leg just showing and the other one is tucked back um they need to know that they should have the confidence to scrub up lube up and just see if they could just with the mother's uh, contraction just mm. ease that forward a bit because if it's just stuck back a little bit at the, at the shoulder your dam doesn't want a big vet with huge great football <laughs> size hands absolutely you know, she wants she wants you to to sort it out so yeah. we tell people to, to 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 give it a go with your short nails and all scrubbed up and and if you lack confidence or don't want to um, then you, you have your vet's telephone number or mobile phone number whatever in your birthing bag yeah, speed um, dial, speed dial. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yes. But, yeah. So, yeah. And then we show them the birthing bag on the uh, course as well so that they know everything must be in place because you have, you know, a, mu a year to prepare this bag. Yes. <laughs> and, <laughs> we, and, we leave it to the last minute, of course, but yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just, just giving people confidence, Steve. And I think yeah. that, that is, has been very well appreciated, the birthing course. Yeah. 
Excellent. No, that's, that's really, really important. And I think there's... Spinning, weaving and felting. Great things to do yourself or if you need to scale up, there are commercial producers out there to help you. Here is Hannah Williams talking about how she started spinning and where that took her. I didn't spin until I had the alpacas. So right. the alpacas came first, then I had a spinning wheel. Right. Um, and obviously as my numbers increased, there was no way I could spin 35 fleeces. No. Um, so, you know, how I used that fleece, you know, and um, thought about, right. you know, marketing had to change. Um, and whilst I, I think it's good to learn the skills, um, and I still enjoy spinning, mm. but I obviously I can't spin enough to get all that wool out and work full time at the same time. Mm. Um, so yes, I do send my fleece off to be processed, so it comes back as lovely balls of wool. And then I was thinking, well, what do I do with all of this? And yes, you can go to shows, and yes, you can put it on the internet, on your websites, and, and that to market your products. Um, but often customers want to know, well, what can I make out of it? What can right. I do out of two balls of wool or three balls of wool, etc.? And yes, that's developed into crochet kits and patterns and, you know, items where people can think, oh, I can make that and I can do something with that. And then they'll obviously purchase your will and purchase the kit as a present, as gifts yeah. for their family, especially over the Christmas times. Steve Cooper also learned to spin and grew into bigger things using the mill at Cardigan. I've learned to spin and do some of my stuff and then the rest of the stuff goes to a million cardigan um, right. so we can then brand ourselves as being made in Wales, made in Wales because it yeah. comes straight from the farm to us or it goes from us up to the million up the road yeah. um, so then it's a basically a local product. Yeah. We then got him to then make us bed throws, blankets uh, which have done really well. They, they don't go that quick because obviously they're not cheap no. but come winter time people are buying them and um, and just love that bit and people understand why it's the price um yeah. you know small scale but successful with a range of things she does working with the delightful limitations of having a young family jen delusia delights in spinning dyeing and weaving here she is i find alpaca really easy to spin with right. it's really um in terms of processing it, there isn't much to do and mm. you can wash it if you want to, but I generally just shake the dust off and then just go ahead and spin. Right. Whereas I find with sheep's, spin, uh, sheep's uh, fleece, you have to sort of uh, comb it and card it and really process it before you spin. And I, I think the thing I love about weaving is um, compared to something like knitting is there's no rules so much. You can right. just, just do what you like. Yeah. And so it's more like art. And I, I realised that that really sat well with me because I've always, I've always been more that way and more creative in the sense of... I love making things and hats and things like that, but I think having a free will just to do whatever I like on the loom is just... It's really freeing. And um, it really got me through a difficult time of my life as well where I, I was going through a difficult time and, and the weaving just kind of let me be me in the... In, in, the, uh, in the art. Victoria Barrett still loves working with the fibre, particularly wet felting, at least when she gets a chance. The fibre is still a number one enjoyment, uh, but I get less time for that because there's more animals and we do more animal-focused stuff, but I do love, I really do love working with her fibre, uh, particularly felting. 
I've always been a bit crafty, but never really good at anything in particular. Like I'm a bit sporty, but no, not outstanding in anything. And then felting, it just one of those things that clicked. It's so it's so simple, the technique, but so versatile. All you need is, is imagination, which I lack a fair deal of it, but YouTube's good. I could have a go at that. That's that's not outside of my my abilities, well, I think anyway. But it's it's a, it's a forgiving craft. It allows you to to play, and it, it really does um, take you somewhere else because it's so tactile and sensual um, that you lose yourself completely. So, how do you learn all this stuff? Have a go is Marta's philosophy. Then practice, practice, practice. Jewelry made with alpaca fiber. Of course. Uh, I've learned a lot from tutorials and uh, I just try to adjust techniques and methods and used alpaca fiber. And uh, it's a little bit um, like experiments and more about practice and my own know-how. So you have to try, you have to check what uh, works or uh, what doesn't work and uh, practice, practice and more practice. And then voila, we have jewelry. The great is that I collaborate with alpaca breeders and it's, it's absolutely amazing. And it's so rewarding because it's not that I make jewelry, but I make jewelry from their own yarn and uh, they First, they, they have to trust me, but then when, when uh, you know, I see how they are happy because they can sell products made from their yarn and they are so proud of the yarn, their fleece, and it, it's amazing. And uh, it's great because I know that visitors, uh, when they, you know, when first they uh, see alpacas, um, on a paddock, they want to just take even a small piece of alpaca with uh, themselves, with them, and so they can buy jewelry, uh, buy something unique, and uh, it's it's great solution. So I love working with alpaca breeders, and uh, yeah, I, I hope that I will be more orders from them. Yeah, don't waste your fleece. Don't waste your fleece. Of course, there are some warnings to take note of with crafts and alpaca fibre. Julia Berry has just found herself a new black hole. And there's so many black holes that you can fall into with crafting. <laughs> I've just just fallen into another one. I've bought myself an eight-shaft loom to do some weaving on. So. Oh, really? Wow. Yep. <laughs> oh, that sounds fun. I really like the idea of that. Yeah, it's mm, good fun. Uh, no, no, I'll, I'm sitting on my hands. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I've got too many other things on the go. I can't. I can't start doing that as well. <laughs> but that sounds good. I know. It gets like yeah. that. Yeah. And yeah. what shall I do? Shall I prepare fleece? Shall I spin? Shall yeah. I knit? Shall I crochet? Shall I weave? Mm, I've really got now. Oh, it's a difficult choice. <laughs> <laughs> but good to have a, a range of things that you can do. Yeah. So, if there was one area of your work that was going to blossom and increase, what would you like that to be? increasing the use of alpaca fiber right whether it be mine or somebody else's i don't really mind i i really want there to be more love of it if you like because i have a love of it i want to share that love mm. of it 
Catherine Price brings her design and formal training to bear with Ted and Bessie's production of knitwear and woven articles. Here she is. Mm, so we create knitwear and this last this time last year we started the new woven collection as well. Um, so we've got hats, scarves, mittens, uh, shawls and snoods, that sort of thing in a knitwear format. And then the woven products, there's bed froze, shawls and scarves. It's it's quite nice to work in, in woven because you can be slightly more creative with colours and patterns as well. Um, that knitwear sells well. So lots of people in the winter want a cosy hat or a cosy scarf. So um, that does quite well for us in the winter. So we, I wanted something that could progress into the summer months as well. So something that you could perhaps pop on if it's it's chillier in the in the summer in the evening as well. Um, and I, I really feel like the woven stuff has pushed the brand forward in a way because it it's it's a nice way to showcase textiles as well. I I, I wanted to create something that um, was more sort of design focused as well as practical and worked well to keep somebody warm um, that would look stylish in a house or worn with something uh, a, a bit more smart uh, rather than sort of casual wear so yeah I, I, I sort of had a vision in my head of how I wanted it to look and really happy with with the outcome of it definitely and it definitely helps to work with people that can create such um, high standards for their end finishes as well so um, the companies that I've worked with, uh, Phil at Two Rivers has done an incredible job with spinning the yarn. Um, and that has then gone on to Bristol Weaving Mill. And they've, they've done a, an amazing job with the, the froze and the woven products. So couldn't be happier with, with the people that have created, created our end, our end line, basically. Yeah. I'm I'm going wider now. So originally I did just start with mine um, and all of the knitwear is created with just my fibre. And then I purchase fibre from other breeders for the for the woven stock. Um, so I use I use a variety of, of breeders. There's um, Backyard Alpacas have started selling fleece to us now. And we've got uh, Toft and Reddins involved as well, which is great. Um, Fursey Park as well. Um, we purchase fibre from them. And it's great because they've got more animals and at such high quality, um, it's it's really nice to see their fleeces and and see quality animals and, and use their, their fleece in our products. And it's lovely to see such quality animal animals being turned into such lovely products. And I think it's nice for the breeders to be able to see their, their fleeces being used as well. So nice. Um, and are not seeing me as uh, anything less than just wanting to use the fleece because it's just got such incredible properties. Um, so, yeah, no, I've just been really lucky with the, the breeders and the people that I've met throughout the industry. Some amazing things can be done with this amazing material that is alpaca fibre. What will you have a go at next? Finally, a reminder of what Jenny McHarg considers to be the most important piece of equipment on your farm. If there was one 
piece of equipment, not necessarily thinking about birthing, but now but just more generally, there's one piece of equipment you considered essential. What would it be and why? Um, well, I think it has to be your medicine cabinet because um, you, you must have things in it um, like a thermometer. Um, you know, if you have um, a poorly career or a, a poorly a adult, you need to know what's going on. Um, so that that's the start of the of the of the um, medicine cabinet, and then you have to have your blue spray, uh, your antibiotic spray. You need to have, well, you need to know where you're going to have something to wash out a wound, um, or you need to have, if you choose to, if you have an abscess, to wash it out with a weak iodine solution or whatever that needs to be in the medicine cabinet. You need to have. We have we have buscopan. Uh, our vet allows us to have that, which is for a colicky type tummy. Um, what else do we have? We have eye cream. Um, I, I think it's called Orbinin now. It has changed. And that is for um, a conjunctivitis or um, we had a career with that a couple of years ago and it was very handy. So you have a, a, a base of, of things that, that we have to have. Um, that, that, that also includes fly, fly spray and all the different fly preparations. Mm. Um, and we have Sudocrem as well. So that if you ha come across anything in your morning rounds, morning feeding, it's just so simple to, well, I have a small um, bum bag about mm. um, a foot high and, I, and that goes on my waist so that I've got everything there. I've got my plastic gloves. I've got the, any creams I want. Um, so that if a female comes in and I can see that she's got a little, uh, she's a, this, this girl is a retired girl and she's got little blebs that sometimes um, burst on, on her skin. And so therefore that needs spray straight away to stop any flies getting it. Sure. I can just simply, I can just simply turn around and there's my spray. Yeah. Also the plastic gloves are for, if you see, if I see any slight, very slight darkening between the toes um i immediately get in there with gloves on because it's usually fungusy mm. um we, we don't have a lot of problems with mites and sometimes people think this is mites it can be like an athlete's foot type thing mm. i open it up look at it smell it and look at the color of it and then i can address it with whatever i've got in my bag sure um so Apart from the medicine cabinet, that's what I carry around as well. So you carry around scissors. the medicine cabinet. <laughs> a, a, a small version of it, yeah. That's really helpful, yeah. Yeah, and I have scissors there. Sure. Um, and what else do I have? Um, that, that's, that's, that's about it, really. Um, yeah. so, so that I'm, I'm ready for anything. And if obviously, if we have got a problem, um, the vet comes straight out. Yeah. Um, and um, sorts it out. Like a female came in last summer and she'd either been kicked in the eye mm. or banged it on the postural fencing or something. But that was, it was really quite bad. It hadn't burst. Mm. Mm. Vet was out straight away and we saved the eye. Yeah. So it's, it's when, it's knowing when you can handle it and when you, when you can't. When you're and out of your depth. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same with birthing. We give people, sorry to go back to birthing. Now, no, no. Um, we give people a 15 minute, we, we tell them to have a 15 minute um, time frame. And if they have a female that has got a problem, they give themselves 15 minutes to sort it. And if they can't, you get the vet. Mm. 
I hope you've enjoyed this roundup of key moments from the last 25 episodes. It's difficult to not keep going and not keep adding. There's been so many good things that have been said. So having gone through some of the things we've touched on, what are we going to do next? Well, I've got some ideas, but I'd love to hear from you too. If you've got things that you'd like me to cover, if you've got questions, comments, then please let me know. Drop me a line to steve at alpacatribe.com. Leave a comment on the website. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please think about subscribing and leaving a review using your favourite podcast app. That's all for now. Hope to see you again soon. This is the Alpaca Tribe, and I'm Steve Hetherington.